This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined in studio with Jim Sebastio, who is sitting with us. And if you haven't heard uh, the first episode of this podcast, you need to go back and listen to it. Jim explained an episode with Bell's palsy that he's having that is affecting his speech somewhat. So he is sitting here cheering us on and counseling us on questions and things. Well done, Jim. Because we are joined by Conrad and Bedway, and we are just really excited that you are here. Thank you. Uh, for being here and taking time to talk with us, we're we're continuing the conversation that we just ended on the on the last podcast that we're going to jump back into. Before we do that, just a couple of housekeeping things. If this podcast has been helpful to you, would you go to uh, iTunes and, and write a review for us? It helps spread the word of the podcast, helps us grow in what we're trying to do just to make this better. And the feedback we've gotten from you has been very helpful. You can also write us at practicalshepherding.com. Any questions that you want Jim and myself to to try to tackle this next year as we're planning podcast episodes, that always helps us. We want to address the things that you particularly want us to to talk about. So write us in that way. You can also go to the the webpage and go to the donate button if you want to help give financially to help support this work that we are continuing to do. And we are continuing today to talk to Conrad. And I want to jump in uh, right where we left off, Conrad, because you had shared about your, your life, your conversion, your call to the ministry, and then uh, your, your call to become the pastor of Kambada Baptist Church, and you've been there uh, 31 years pastoring there, but God has also opened a lot of doors for you to do other ministry, and, and we talked a little bit about that towards the end of the podcast. Where I want to jump in here, I want to go back to something you said, because you said you're doing a lot of work training pastors, and of course, we're practical shepherding. This is something that we really care a lot about. But we're not just trying to train pastors. We're trying to train pastors with a biblical paradigm on what it really means to be a pastor, mm-hmm. what it means to be a shepherd. And in this world of, of pragmatism and entertainment-driven and kind of CEO corporate America, American church in many ways, we're, we're trying to re, you know, redeem the narrative in a way of what it really means to be a pastor, not just in America, but everywhere around the world because it's the same in what God's Word prescribes. Mm-hmm. Will you talk a little bit about... Uh, the training you're doing with pastors there in Zambia, in Africa, uh, and other places, and what is your philosophy? How are you all trying to approach that? Well, first of all, uh, Brian and Jim, thanks for having me uh, on this podcast. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. As I said in the last uh, podcast, we we have been involved for a number of years, in fact, in a growing way um, in training uh, pastors and church leaders, uh, primarily because you know, the the church in Africa is literally exploding. You mm. sort of lift a foot and a new church is being planted right under, really? under your foot. And so a lot of the individuals who are involved in this have never been to Bible college. They they don't even know if, if you were to say to them, try and attend one where they would find anything like that. Mm. Uh, so all they know is the church they've been in, the, the model that they've seen there and they are reproducing that. Or worse still, it's the sort of big mega churches that they see on television. Mm. And so they think, wow, that's how that's you it. have it made. Mm-hmm. And they seek to replicate that in, in their own setting. So the, uh, our greatest burden is to, to show them the, the relevance of the Bible in determining the content of what we preach, how we preach, how we run our our families, how we we run the church. That you know the the Bible 
gives us the answers. Mm. And so to make the studying available to uh, to the pastors almost all our training inc- involves um block classes mm. which we take as close to the areas where the pastors live as possible and so currently it's in four corners of the country okay. and we're working towards adding an extra two mm. so that as much as possible we are where these men are and then secondly, we use as much as possible pastors who are currently serving because that way they are already being paid for. And part of it is that they are able to share mm. from their wealth of experience. Mm. And especially those whose ministries clearly show that they are molded by what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So they are not just reproducing what is in books but they are able to argue out based on the kind of ministry that they themselves have. Hmm. So in terms of courses, it would be the normal courses that would be done like at any Bible college. But the point is we we seek to draw these truths as much as possible from uh, the scriptures themselves. Hmm. And then we are working with our churches to have internship programs Mm -hmm. so that we have these men coming in and seeing what's happening in churches that are already seeking to be molded Mm. after the new testament pattern Mm. and what we found i mean my own church for instance takes in a maximum of six interns per year okay uh, for a whole year and what we notice is that within the first three months the penny drops right the the individuals are saying this is it yeah i now can see mm. that this isn't just theory yeah this is the way church mm. and and ministry and life ought to be mm. uh, as the bible teaches you and also you also find that guys realize whether they should not be doing this also within that three-month time period also yes yeah. yes yes it, it's it's uh it's it's been a great help mm. in that sense and I've begun to realize more than ever the need to not simply teach in classroom context, Mm -hmm. but ensuring a kind of life-on-life approach and also exposing individuals Mm. to what what really happens in in a church that follows the biblical pattern. Mm. So that's, that's more or less what we are doing. There are many ways we need to improve because of the fact that, you know, we, we, we still would like to be as much in the lives of these students as possible. And where you have a block class approach, you don't have as much an opportunity. Uh, but we're hoping that as we have more and more of our churches involved, our pastors involved, then we'll have more and more link-up time mm. with the men that we're training. That's really helpful. And so if if I'm hearing you correctly, you... You train pastors in Zambia by a balance of training them in these areas of systematic theology, doctrinal things, knowing Old New Testament well, but you also have this mix of 
learning real ministry from real pastors, getting involved in local churches, yes. internships, not just in the classroom. So is that what I'm hearing from your balance there? Yes, that's what we, we seek to do. And as I said, we wish we could do more in each of those two realms, mm-hmm. but we definitely want to maintain a balance. The reason I ask that, Conrad, is that you know we're recording this about 15 miles from the campus of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary mm-hmm. here in Louisville, Kentucky which is the largest seminary in the world, and people come from all over to study. And yet, there we emphasize all the time through this ministry the need to not just be theologically trained, which is very important, but to also be trained in the practicalities of ministry and the balance of that. So if you're listening to this, you're a pastor that you went to seminary, got educated, but went into the church and realized you didn't know what you were doing. This is what we're talking about. There needs to be a balance in training. If you're a seminary student listening to this, let me just urge you to make sure there's that balance in your life. You are involved in your local church to the level that you're learning ministry in the church from your pastors in the same way you're learning theological training. So, Connor, where what are some of the uh, things you take the interns through in your particular church. So that year that, well, first of all, let me ask this, are they compensated in any way? Or do they have to keep other jobs while they're doing this? Or are they? is that their job to be an intern for a year with you? Yeah, for the first, um, the group of six that I mentioned, the maximum that we handle, we we compensate them. So they, they leave everything and they're with us okay. for, yep. for an entire well, that's year. That's great. Uh, but because of the, the fact that we we have a lot more students than we can handle at any one time, the others still remain in the in their churches. So in that particular town, they are still in their church and they are coming in at regular points mm. so that they are able to still maintain their families, uh, their jobs, their ministries in their churches and so on. Mm. Um, but even with that, you find that, for instance, you'd have one coming and by the third or fourth week, he's saying something like, you know, I can't understand why, how you're managing to have your people coming consistently to church and I can't see any bells and whistles here, you yeah. know. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what the secret is. <laughs> yes, and that's a great moment for you when you know that's exactly what you want them to learn is there yes, in that moment. Yeah, yes. that's great. They, they don't need any maverick tactics. Mm-hmm. It, it's simply expounding God's word faithfully. Yeah. The sheep hunger for the meal of yeah. God's word, and they will just keep coming back and have their lives uh, grow. Another one, uh, I've never forgotten him commenting, saying, you know, your, your people are so joyful. I, I'm trying to figure out what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what are you giving them before church? That, making them come here like this. Yes. That, that is that's so helpful to hear because, you know, you can talk about those things in a classroom, but for your, for for people to actually experience that in a real church has to make all the difference. That's what I hear you saying. Yes. So that's very helpful. So but before we move from from this particular topic, Conrad, what, what happens after the internship, after a year? You train these men. I assume there's a there's a there's a testing period, even you're assessing their gifts as they're going through this. Do you try to place your interns from there in ministry positions or where do they go from there after that year? Yes, I, sh- uh, I should have answered it this way. So uh, the ones that come in with us for a whole year, we've divided it into four uh, sections. Okay. 
the first three months is primarily observation. So we we we're giving them the opportunity to to see and ask the why questions. Mm-hmm. Why do you do this this or why do you do this this way and mm-hmm. so on. And then the next three months, we then involve them a lot more in the different ministries of the church, which is really primarily outreach focused, Mm. so that they begin to see the need to connect the church with the world, with the gospel in between, Mm -hmm. as much as uh, we possibly could. Then in the next um, three months, we uh, begin to involve them a lot more into leading meetings and so on because mm. by that time their lives mm. have now connected with with the life of the church right and then we also send them out for two whole months to one of our church planting situations oh that's great again so that they can see what the church is looking like when it's beginning to sprout out of the ground mm-hmm. than what they are seeing at Kabwata Baptist Church then the last three months we basically say the things you've been seeing us doing behind the scenes to to see the fruit happening for everybody to see, mm. we now want you to be doing that mm. while we are working alongside you. Mm. That's the most exciting part for them because <laughs> right. they like writing home to say, I'm running Kawata Baptist Church. <laughs> That's right. sure. I'm, sure, I'm sure they are. I love that, though. So you you allow time for them to build relationships within the church yes. before they're even involved in some of the more public ministry and things. I, yes. I love that. That's great. But then we divorce that from what happens after the internship, mm. primarily because some of them come to us from sister churches. So okay. they'll simply go back. Right, okay. Yes. That's great. Others are already pastoring churches. Mm. So they've just taken some time off mm. and they've come to us. Others, by that time, we are saying to them, and often together with their own pastors, that this person needs to go into some secular form of employment. Mm-hmm. He's far from ready okay. for actual ministry. So everybody is individually assessed, yes. obviously, at the end of that. That's so helpful. And thank you for such a faithful example. I'm just glad to so much you just said is is can be duplicated in the American church mm. in many different ways and actually that's a that's a wonderful model you've just put forward. Thank you. I actually want to shift to another uh, topic that um, that would help us. We would love to hear your thoughts just on you 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 travel the world doing ministry you have for a long time now. What observations are you making about just the church in general? Maybe uh, a couple of you know encouraging things, and maybe a couple of things that concern you as you see what's happening in the evangelical church just worldwide. Yeah, that's a, a very wide question. That's a loaded question, me, I know. Yeah, so let me try and throw in um, a few things. Sure. Uh, first of all, there's a way in which it's very evident God is still at work building his church. Yeah, it's, amen. it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Russia or um, what we call down under in um, Australia or New Zealand or North America, South America, Europe, God and Africa, of course, sure. where, where I reside. The, the church is marching forward. Mm. Uh, the needs may vary to some extent, but it's, it's fairly clear that uh, one of the greatest needs that's that's there is in terms of depth of knowledge. Mm. Um, the the tendency around the world is to 
to run after superficiality mm. uh, to the the crackling of thorns in the fire mm-hmm. seems to draw a lot of attention mm. rather than seeing genuine salvation through faithful gospel proclamation mm. and then pastors who are in the lives of God's people building them up mm. so that the quality of the lives of the people of God as individuals and as families impacting the society should be what makes the Christian faith stand out in the world. Mm. So if, if one was to say, yes, where should the extra effort be? It seems to me that by and large across the world, it's, it's in those two areas. Mm. Now, I'm almost certain that in, in every generation, that's what would have been said. Mm-hmm. That the gospel, uh, in its in all its truth, being proclaimed, and shepherds who are deliberately ensuring that they they are shepherding the people of God, mm. rather than simply turning churches either into a preaching point, or uh, as you said earlier on, a CEO EEO, mm-hmm. uh, carrying out his his work schedules. Right. Uh, it seems to me that that would still be more or less what would be said, mm. but. I really mean it uh, because although the the negative effects of the absence of that may vary, it's really the absence of that that's causing all these negative effects. Mm, interesting. So, for instance, in Africa, we we have really um, African traditional religions coming into the church through the back door. It might be coming in through a claim that we. We, we, we must reclaim Africanness back into the churches and, and as it will push out the either British or the white man's sort of cover uh, veneer over the Christian faith. But when you now see what's being brought in, it's actually not Christianity. It's, mm. it's not the basic gospel and the, the building into godly people, mm. the people of God. Okay. It's, it's really the a, uh, ATRs, the African traditional religions. Mm. Again, you come into uh, the Western context and you find exactly the same thing, the, the superficiality, the, the showmanship, the mm. uh, bring in the crowds as long as it's uh, four-footed creatures, bring them in, whether they're goats or sheep is beside the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, when you ask the primary questions, it's the same thing. It's there's been a compromise on the gospel, mm. the true nature of the gospel message, and then the issue of shepherds getting into the lives of God's people to ensure biblical godliness. Wow. It's again those two yeah. uh, that seem to be largely amiss. It's, it's now having fun. Mm. We, we have fun in other areas let's have fun in the church as well mm-hmm. you you end up with basically the same thing well wow, that's very helpful as far as an american context cuz you're here in the states a good bit and you've seen a lot of what's going on we would love to hear your perspective anything you would add to that as far as what you're observing in specifically in an american context here what are what are some things i mean we're there's a lot of american pastors that are listening to this now we would love a, a perspective from somebody from outside of the country of what you look and see going on here that we need to be mindful of 
things we should be encouraged by, things that anything that we maybe should be ca- have have caution about. Anything you would throw out there about that? Yeah, uh, the way I love to put it is the fact that culture is a blind spot. Uh, all of us are like sheep in water, or rather fish in water, mm-hmm. and and until somebody from the outside says, you know, why do you do this or why don't you do this? You're not even thinking about it. Yes. And um, that's really what I would say as sort of a, a general uh, blanket, that the a person like me coming from outside looking in, uh, for instance, I, I see a lot of individualism mm. that's very much part of uh, the Christian church over privatized living. In other words, pastor, you don't come and peep into my life. Right. You know, I'll come to church, mm-hmm. and that's it. You better be happy enough that I'm there and I've put in my offering, uh, etc. But you know, how I live is none of your business, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a far cry from, for instance, biblical Christianity. Right. Uh, so, for instance, a, a man and a woman who are not married beginning to live together. It's supposed to be a, a no no. Uh-huh. Uh, the Bible calls that fornication. Right. Um, but you, you begin to find because the culture, the atmosphere seems to see this as normal, individuals even get offended that you know a matter like this should be raised. Mm. What that has done invariably is that uh, preaching, especially in the American context. I might be wrong because uh, I don't live here. I sort of zoom in, do my stuff, and zoom out. That's why we want to hear it from you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, tends to be more of um, uh, what we now call motivational speaking. Okay. It, it tends to be more of um, um, brushing people nicely so they feel good, uh-huh. uh, rather than akin to. Old Testament prophets mm. uh, declaring this is what God says, mm. and consequently this is how we ought to respond to Him. Mm. Um, so it, it's 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 losing its teeth. Mm. Uh, that is the preaching. It's um, it, it's it's the fear of offense, causing offense. Yeah, um, and and consequently um, the. There's hardly any difference in the lives mm. of church-going people from the lives of non-church-going people. Interesting. Which ought not to be the case. Yeah. Because where God's word is being uh, properly preached evangelistically and also with respect to edifying the people of God, there will be a difference. Mm. And the world ought to take note of that. That's that's incredibly helpful, and I think it's very insightful that you combined not just the 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 softening of of biblical preaching, but you notice it in the lives of people in the church that mm. the connection of true, you know, powerful preaching that God changes people's lives through that. And in the absence of it, there's also a lack of change that you find in, in people. That's incredibly that's incredibly insightful and and helpful for us. You're an American pastor listening to this. I, I just you you may really resonate with what was just said in your own church, um, and God has to do that work. But I think you need to hear the the imperative in that is to preach, to preach the word, and to preach the gospel, and to love people, but to be involved in people's lives. I mean, just 
uh, encourage you that, that that is a great exhortation for us that we've just heard. Karen, I have a couple of questions I want I want to ask as we as we wrap up. The first is um, I actually want to ask about your your family and would you would you share um, we're finding just as we're caring for pastors that the family is, is just seems to be uniquely affected in a pastor's life and the demands and the pressures of a of a pastor's life. Uh, what kind of advice would you have a, towards a pastor in regard to his desire to want to care well for his family, and yet he's feeling these pressures from the church and from ministry and all these things to to pulling him away from that? So any advice just about how a pastor can care well for his family? Um, I think, first of all, the, the Bible is very clear that one of our qualifications in our role as pastors and elders in churches is uh, it's just the way in which we look after our family, right. the, the way we manage our household. Mm. Uh, and therefore, in the midst of the pressure of work, it's important to seek the balance. Mm. And that's not easy. So any pastor who's going through that struggle should realize that that's normal, that mm. struggle. Mm. He certainly shouldn't take the family into uh, the background in order to rescue as it were lost sheep in the church mm. because that would turn around and bite him in due season right. when his own family falls apart. Right. So with respect to uh, priorities, if I could use that word, uh, clearly your own relationship with God is number one because a lot grows and stems out of that mm. as you are walking with God in unfeigned godliness. Mm. So there will be times when you have to repent before your children or your wife and not just before God mm. because you are walking with the Lord and the Lord seems to have revealed those shortcomings to you. Yes. But then the second is really your family. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know what the average American thinks and the average American pastor, if they think the family comes after the church, it's really your family. Uh, mm. God's given you a wife, is given you kids. You ought to shepherd them into a formidable team mm. so that you are better able to do your work. Mm. And then the work that is out there in the church then uh, comes into third place. Mm. So where you are beginning to notice cracks in the family, it's important that you take time to fix those cracks mm. early rather than to allow the success, the apparent success out there to blind you yes. from the shortcomings that are taking place in the home. Because sooner or later, the whole thing blows. Mm. And then the last thing that I would say is that, uh, yes, there will be challenges because of the fact that in molding the lives of our spouses and our kids, there will be times when we are out of our normal breath. Have friends, intimate friends, at least one or two mm. that you could confide in. And beyond that, at least an older pastor or an older elder or retired pastor where you can go for this private counseling. Mm. A stitch in time saves nine. Mm. That's crucial. Mm. Wow, that's, that's wonderful advice. Really insightful, uh, pastors listening to this. You need to heed. Uh, that was worth. Uh, that was worth everything um, that we 
have tried to focus on in this podcast, the advice that was just given, and things that we try to reiterate over and over again. So, Conrad, thank you. I'm honored that you were here and willing to talk with us. I have one last question I want to wrap this up with, and that's, uh, are there a few books that were most impactful for you that you would recommend? What What are the few books, maybe two, three, four books, that you recommend to every pastor, whether it's an American pastor or an African pastor, whatever it is, what, what are the books that were most impactful for you? You feel every pastor has to read this at some point in their ministry. you have a few books you'd throw out there as we wrap this up? Well, yes. Um, first of all, in my own mind, I tend to go back to my formative years, the kind of books that molded me at a stage when I desperately needed it. Right. And for many who might be listening, these would be books perhaps that you've uh, read in Bible college or seminary, but for me, I wasn't in right. formal yeah. uh, training at that point. So it would have been books I just bought and consequently read. Uh, I definitely would recommend a a, a good, solid uh, systematic theology, for instance, okay. because one does need to sort that bit out. Yes, uh, For me in those days would have been the Lewis Bekoffs, but now there are others that have come through. Um, um, I mean, Raymond uh, has, has one, I'm thinking in terms of um, the, the more recent one. Uh, uh, come on, come on. Uh, I'll remember the the author in That's a moment. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know the systematic theologies. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second that I would definitely encourage would be a book that's in the context of actual pastoral ministry. Mm. How to do that mm. um, uh, in terms of the, an overall uh, picture there. Uh, in my own days, uh, again in the, my formative years, would have been um, Gardner Springs. Uh, again, it's a Banner of Truth book. It's yeah. probably, uh, I hope it's still in print. I hope so too. Yeah, but uh, I've never forgotten um, making my way through uh, through that as well. Okay. Um, with respect to preaching, uh, you know, we have uh, uh, Lloyd-Jones. This one is not a Banner of Truth book um, with preaching and preachers. Mm. Uh, I think that the adding of, of soul with respect to the, the actual work itself of preaching um, I think that definitely uh, was uh, a formative book for me. Mm-hmm. Um, with respect to, um, I'm trying to think of which other area. Oh, yes, church history okay. is, is another that for me was very helpful because, uh, again, I needed to know where the church has come from mm-hmm. and consequently where we are. And um, for me, then it was sketches in church history. Uh, I think it was S.M. Houghton. That's a okay. a banner book as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's a quick read, mm-hmm. and then you can major in the sections in other books as well. Yeah, right. Uh, I found that that at least set that section mm. of my uh, my spiritual life in place. Mm. Um, and as you notice, I'm I'm going back to old books because yes. I've read many since then. Um, but at least they, they set me on solid ground. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I've simply been uh, more in terms of, yeah, there's a book that's come out. Uh, let me read it now. But yeah. they've hardly added something to uh, the books that were, uh, were there then. I must admit, uh, I don't know what it is like here in the U.S., but uh, reading the Puritans 
has really been a great help to me. Mm. Um, yes, they might be a little uh, out of the the way we speak and relate today, but in terms of getting into the meat of Scripture yes. and applying to the individual, mm. I, I've hardly found um, another generation that's yeah. improved on them. Yeah, no, I think, it, depending on the circles, but yeah, the Puritans are pretty widely read in certain circles, uh, that, and I certainly would encourage pastors to read a lot of the different Puritans. It, it would depend on the Puritan, and it would depend on the, the issue, but the Puritans, I agree with you, there's really no one else that, in a generation that approached writing in the way that they evaluated things. So, Oh, yes, uh, the systematic theology was Wayne Grudem, yeah. Yeah. Wayne Grudem. Okay, yeah. I, I was wondering if it was Grudem, but I was I was just waiting for to let you say it. So, okay. yeah. Great. So Grudem is is a a great one. I if if you're a pastor listening to this, you didn't go to seminary and you're looking for some things to to read. I think I think Grudem is the most accessible. I think in, at the in, moment, yes. in the moment, just to be able to read and he writes in a way I think is is easy to follow. So yes. that is certainly a great one. So. Conrad, thank you so much for being here, and and may the Lord bless your ministry here in the city this week at the Cross Conference and uh, other things that you're going to be doing. So, um, thank you. Yeah, I would thank like you, Brian, to, and uh, thank you, Jim, for having me here. Yeah, I would like to pray for you and your ministry this week. So let's take a minute and do that. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you for uh, our conversation. Thank you for so much wisdom and insight that we have heard these last few minutes from my brother. And Lord, we pray that you would take all that's been shared. The, the wisdom, the insight, the counsel, and the pastors listening to this, would you would help them to apply it in whatever area would be most helpful to them. Lord, would this conversation be encouraging to those who are listening? Remind them that you are at work in them, in their ministry, in similar ways. Lord, may they resonate with some of the observations Conrad's made about even the American church. And as American pastors struggle through the difficulties that we face, the challenges, the unique challenges we have, that you would use this conversation to encourage them to press on, to to preach your word, to preach the gospel, to trust you as they shepherd their people diligently. Lord, bless his ministry this week at the Cross Conference. We pray, Lord, that through the word he would preach, that you would raise up many college students and others uh, to take the gospel to the nations. Lord, we also want to pray for Jim and ask that uh, you would heal his body, mm. and you would restore what uh, how he has been affected with the Bell's palsy. And we pray, Lord, you would do that in your time. And Lord, thank you for the way you're even using him in his own church and the lives of others as they watch him struggle through this, his faith, his, his example, and his trust in you with, with this providence. So Lord, we pray your will would be done in all that. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.